Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson. Michael Bruns, it is the midpoint of the week. We are inching closer to Purdue. But before we get there, let us recap what has happened as of late. Miles Jones has entered the transfer portal. Nebraska's quarterback situation is clear for the first time since the Northwestern week. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just completely missing something, but it feels like there's a little optimism surrounding Nebraska going into this week, even after coming off of a 38-31 loss, because I think the offense looked a little bit more what it was supposed to. And with Adrian Martinez coming back, going on the road and playing Purdue, seems like it could be a winnable opportunity for the Huskers. To counter that thought, there was also a lot of revisiting of the topic of buy-in and culture, which is a f- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I was hoping we'd kind of left behind. Well, no, we have yeah. not. It's yeah, there was even a team meeting on Monday <clears throat> morning where Scott Fry. It wasn't said exactly what was said in that meeting. Like Ben Stilley said, the elephant in the room was addressed, but it wasn't clear what exactly what the elephant was. Um, Scott Frost said it was it was kind of to talk about the intense moments on the sideline and some of the uh, I guess he, yelling that occurred. He got after some players. Um, several reporters have spent the week asking coaches how they, I guess, coach or I don't know. Word "rip" has been used a lot. Like, yeah. When you're mad, how do you address your players? Like Brunts kind of rips us sometimes out yeah, there. Brunts is very curt. And can be. Um, I have a little Kurt. Slider agrees. Yeah, clearly. Speaking of. Yeah. And see you be Kurt now with yeah. a growling dog. I'm significantly less Kurt. Uh, so I, I don't know if it had to do. There was a couple moments on the sideline where he really got after some guys, and we haven't seen that yet. Um, maybe it had to do with that. I mean, Diedrich Mills kind of talked about it a little bit and basically said it was a chance to kind of clear the air. So. Mm-hmm. I I mean, this is a team that just needs to be able to go and play football. Like, all of the other stuff beyond it, uh, the culture, the buy-in, you aren't having those discussions if guys are doing their jobs on Saturday. It was a, a, a to go back, I, it was like a, I saw footage of like a kind of a heated exchange. I think it was with Khalil Davis maybe after a, one of the roughing the passer penalties was, was maybe where it started. I, mm-hmm. think, I think he got after their asses a little bit at halftime too. Some gotta? Yeah based on uh, his comments afterwards. And his halftime interview when yeah. he used the phrase dumbass stupid, which yeah. was one of the best Frost lines we've heard so far. Yeah, so that's... Uh, for a guy who doesn't swear, that is a pretty heavy line for him. Yeah, and he was... he His voice was like quiver. I know a lot of people haven't actually heard the clip. His voice was like almost quivering. He was like so angry. Yeah. Uh, and they were ahead at the time, but of course they should have been ahead by more... Um, you know, you have the fumble, and then you have the Mike Williams thing, and you, you, you're thinking to yourself, they left 10 to 14 points on the field and basically gave away seven. Probably 17 to 21 point difference almost in the way they operated um, in that first half. Yeah, not, uh, not, not good in some regards, but better than what we had actually seen. I mean, the thing is we're talking about them leaving points while actually putting up points. In previous games, like Minnesota, they scored seven. Ohio State, they scored seven. Uh, Northwestern, they scored 13, and even that was a challenge. So, to me, I guess I'm really intrigued to see 
what Adrian Martinez looks like because there's so much discussion that he hasn't been the same player as last year. Well, Nebraska's offense, a lot of the pieces haven't been the same. And I thought Saturday was probably the best the offensive line has looked all year. So if they're able to play downhill and Dedrick Mills can get downhill and Wandale Robinson can do Wandale Robinson things, what does that make a seemingly healthy Adrian Martinez look like on Saturday against Purdue? Like that's kind of where I am intrigued oh, as yeah. we go into this game. That's a huge game within the game because for the first time since he's been here, Martinez is getting pushed. Um, and if, if he doesn't respond well these last four games or so, it's already going to be an interesting dynamic next offseason when McCaffrey is fully in the fray to fight for things. And, uh, you know, Noah Vedrill, I thought, played very well, aside from the there was the one big mistake you can't overlook, but he 95% of the snaps, he was very good and looked polished and all that stuff. And there is a segment of the fan base right now that is convinced there are better options. I don't agree with this necessarily, but that is there. it is out there in the wind. That segment, I think, exists all the time. Yeah. But they're definitely it, it's definitely picked up steam because those guys looked good this last Saturday. And now, let's say Nebraska goes out there to West Lafayette and Martinez doesn't look sharp or he turns it over two or three times, that noise is going to get significantly yeah. louder. Why does it feel like every time Nebraska goes to Purdue, there's like question marks about the quarterback? I mean, there wasn't in 17, but I, mean, I remember driving to the game in 15 when it was that was the Riker Fife game. You we were like, man. This is going to be a really sloppy game. Well, in 13 was Tommy Armstrong's first road start. Yeah, with Ron Kellogg coming I, in out I of the bullpen. I think he threw four, uh, four picks that day against uh, Purdue's defense. Yeah. Can't think of the coach. Who was there before? Daryl Hazel. Daryl Hazel. How could I forget about Daryl Hazel? Yeah, Vikings Minnesota assistant. Minnesota Vikings assistant Daryl Hazel. I think he's still there. <laughs> Hazel just kind of blends in on a staff sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more on the on the uh, hype cast, but what do you guys make of this game? Because it's, it seems like there's a pretty big matzo ball out there with Rondale Moore's health and whether or not he's going to play. And I think that's probably, I mean, watching Nebraska try to cover a dynamic uh, slot receiver last week, I would imagine that Rondale Moore could probably do similar, if not more than what uh, WAP did. Yeah, here's the thing well, about, here's the thing about WAP Fillier, if I pronounce that correct. It sounds good to me. He's not nearly as good <laughs> right. as Rondell Moore. He's not even as good as, like, Flynn Nagel. I mean, Nebraska made him look really freaking good last Saturday, and he's not that good. We've, so We've brought up Flynn Nagel yeah. a lot on this show lately. <laughs> I mean, what he did to Nebraska last October, I think basically out of the slot. The, the list of random wide receivers that we bring up the most on this podcast is, like, Todd Peterson is number one, and, like... He's not random. He's a friend of the podcast. Flynn Nagel. Hi, Todd. Hi, Todd. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Flynn Nagel's probably like, not right next to Todd, but down there. Flynn Nagel never caught a pass against Davos Sweeney in a bowl game, though. For a touchdown and and against Pete Carroll for a touchdown. Glad to get that, (laughs) remind of that. You were listening to the Todd Peterson segment (laughs) on the Husker 24-7 podcast. (laughs) But I digress. Yeah. Are they... I asked Travis Fisher if they are at the point where they would consider shadowing a wide receiver. And um, he said he considered it on Saturday, but they didn't make the move in that direction. And I didn't really get a chance to follow up with what I wanted to ask, which is if they did it, do they have a guy they'd feel comfortable doing that with? Because I think one of the successes of Lamar Jackson is that he sort of plays 
defense in the way that he really uses the boundary well and forces receivers to be pretty precise in their throws. And I don't think that you can put him in the nickel position and get the same kind of production that way. Mm-hmm. Like he, he essentially has half of the field he doesn't have to worry about with that boundary there. So I, I think that if they were to shadow anybody, it would be with DiCaprio Boodle, and then you would bring in Braxton Clark on the other side. But I don't know if Nebraska will do that this weekend if Rondale Moore plays. Here's the thing. They have David Bell, who is really damn good as a wide receiver. Oh, he's a so, stud. They're uh, they're going to be challenged whether Rondale Moore plays or not. And with both Bell and Moore, there's a lot that Purdue can do that is really going to stress a team that's struggling to get a pass rush, which they will have to try to cover both of those guys for five seconds. That's so going to be hard. The thing I don't under, didn't understand Saturday, and I, I always hesitate to try to be like Charlie McBride, you know, and br- break down what they're doing scheme-wise after the game. But it felt like, in a general sense, there were too many linebackers on the field for what they were seeing uh, to the layman. I think that was the takeaway. It's like, why is there consistently when they're they're slicing and dicing you a certain way with some of these passes, why is your plan against that to go to just basically keep sort of your base format out there as opposed to maybe having Braxton Clark in the game, sliding Boodle inside or something like that? Um, that's a, something I'm curious if they make an adjustment there or asking, how do you feel about your secondary depth truly if you don't feel like you can put like six DBs on the field in certain situations, you know, against certain schemes? So I, I did, the, that part's going to be interesting to me. The thing we should say about Purdue, as good as some of those skill guys are, whether Rondale plays or not, their QB situation is very much – Mm, messy. It's the plumber. Yeah, the, and, he got, the plumber. and he is he is he going to play? Because he there's talk about him getting benched or he got benched. He got benched last week. They're, yeah. they're rolling with him. They said so they they're going to give him another uh, shot. Yeah, call him the plumber. So, so he, he's got to he's got to answer some questions himself. He has not been very good. Yeah. Um, and Illinois' strategy essentially was to keep everything in front of him and force Purdue to try to drive the field so they would get to about the fifty and stall out half of the time. So uh, that, I would imagine, the way Nebraska already plays, that's going to be what they try to do is to keep it in front of them. But if Rondell plays, that changes it a little bit. This is the desperation bowl. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is for both teams. Purdue's had a disappointing season. Nebraska the same. Surprise! this game is on Fox. Like, I would have expected them to, like, bury this on, like, the Big Ten's, like, overflow channel. I mean, it's a... It's, it's a, Rondale versus Wandale. It's a, it's a noon kick in West Lafayette where it's probably going to be half full. I mean, Not you know, half. even that full. Yeah. Give me, give me 34%. There'll be full sections that are empty. Yeah, okay. They, they should do it, though like hype it like they used to do on NBA on NBC where it's Jordan and the Bulls versus Carl Malone and the Jazz. You know, they, they could do that with Wandale and Rondale. They've got that damn train horn now, though, that they blow whenever they score that's, like, deafening. That's pretty much the only reason I think you'd go. So you know you're out on the train horn? It's a little loud. <laughs> this guy's getting so old I've before our eyes. So going on with you? I'm like, yeah. Do you even like Purdue Pete anymore? No. What? It seems <laughs> this is such a sad week. I know. Brunts is just done. At I'm two Brunts. I'm like I'm like the Dana Carvey. I'm a grumpy old man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're seeing it. Yeah. 
We're uh, we're definitely seeing it. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little Miles Jones. He entered the transfer portal. Uh, doesn't seem likely he's going to take himself out of that, or Nebraska would be bringing him back. That is a guy that's in the 2018 class, the transition class, which has been uh, dwindling, falling apart. Dwindling doesn't make it seem like enough. Like, what's a word between dwindling and falling apart entirely? It's been. It's been completely cut in half. <laughs> Unraveled? <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody took a knife and it cut the piece Diced? of cheese right in half. Yeah, so they're, they've lost a number of guys from the 2018 class, which is fairly common because you're talking about a transition class. You're trying to get the best of what's available. It's the first time in recruiting history where you had the early signing period, so you already had half of the people, if not more, that you couldn't get 67% or whatever it was uh, that you couldn't get anyways. And so, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they have a bunch of transfers from this class because you were just grabbing what you could and, and you're going to try to make it work. Miles Jones is one of those guys that does surprise me a little bit because they were very excited about him. He was pretty high on their board in terms of obviously what was available, but also just the fact that he could come in and, and play in a slot role that was similar to what we saw from J.D. Spielman and what they are doing with Wandale Robinson and it just felt like he never really got that opportunity, whether it was he couldn't figure out the offense, whether it was uh, the depth, which I have a hard time believing because Nebraska struggled at times uh, to fill out wide receivers. And he has game-changing speed. But for whatever reason, his only real playing time came in the Bethune-Cookman game in which uh, a shaky Noah Vedral pass cost him probably a – 70-yard touchdown on that play. So. Well, he got hurt. I mean, that probably set him back quite a bit. Too, in, last year in, in fall camp, yeah. Well, after that. Well, yeah. And so it's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I sit here and I wonder, like, is this a precursor of more potential player movement? Because in the, the age of the four-game red shirt, if guys aren't even able to see the field – what makes them want to stick around with this coaching staff at times? And so I, I think there's some really hard questions and uh, a slippery slope of attrition that's sitting out there for Nebraska. I think there's people they're expecting to leave, and Miles Jones might have been one of those. But for as much as we heard about how often they play people and how deep the roster went at UCF, it has not felt like that at all in two years at Nebraska and it just feels like some people have been languishing on the sidelines. So I don't know, again, as I said, I don't know if this is a precursor to anything else, but it is interesting to me that how little value that they got out of him specifically. Well, the scary thing, when you look at the 2018 class, there is an old line, I think it George Darlington used to say this, where when you have a recruiting class, there's like one-third you expect to be like your studs, one-third that you just want to be solid contributors, and then there's usually a third that just doesn't pan out. That's the way it goes with this stuff. The problem now with the numbers is they're well into that, forget the stud part, they've cut into the one-third of the part of just guys to contribute to your program over the course of four or five years. And maybe the thinking has changed with the modern athlete and how some of this stuff has gone on. But you look at who's gone, you know, Cameron Jones gone, C.J. Smith gone, Greg Bell gone, um, Andre Hunt and Legrone, uh not here or on the team right now. Maurice Washington not on the team. Um, Watt and Willie Canty never got here. 
um, McGriff, his, McGriff is gone. Yep, McGriff. Um, so you're up to you're in double digits if you count the three guys who are kind of in limbo um, as far as just not playing a factor going forward. Maybe it's kind of remarkable too. I mean, when you get into specific positions too. I mean, you go back to who Nebraska signed a wide receiver. Let's go back to the 16 class. I think it was that was the the Hunt um, or not Hunt. Um, the kid that ended up at Fresno State, Grimm. Darian oh, Grimm. yeah. Cherry. Darian Grimm. Cherry. Cherry. Excuse me. <laughs> you had you had uh, Spielman in that class. Uh, what else am I looking? Those, those are kind of your, your guys in that group. In 17, you signed Tajon Lindsey. Gone. Javon McQuitty, who hasn't really he's been hurt happened. and hasn't really been effective. Uh, that's pretty much it from that crew. 18, your transition class, you have... You had the two JUCO guys that really haven't distinguished themselves. Andre Hunt still hasn't appeared in a game yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin McGriff, gone. Um, Dominic Watt never made it. I mean, you you basically for three recruiting classes haven't you, you didn't have any depth. There's no depth there. No. Nope. And the guys that you do have on campus are jumping off sides on fourth down and you know really not even factoring in your game plan most weeks. I mean, it, it's not a. I understand that they're you know having. I, the mismanagement, I guess, of, of playing time has been a question mark all year for me. But when you kind of look at it that way, I mean, you, you basically have a, a three-year cycle where you just have gotten nothing at that position. Yeah, that's a good explanation of it. And also it's interesting because there are so many words written and said during the last era about all the receivers were always so prominent in a lot of stories. Um, and Well, because basically Keith Williams took the guys that Bo Pelini's staff recruited and develop them yeah he just couldn't bring in his own guys well that's what i mean though it always felt like they were maybe going to get this guy or this guy was lined up to go there and then you know like des fitzpatrick type situation yeah. they, they fell through and you, there were no backup plans and i you're still paying the price a little bit for that and uh elijah lipscomb you know will be an nfl wide receiver you know the kid who flip-flopped five different times uh Jameer. You know, Jameer he, Calvin. Yeah, I mean, Jody he, Lewis. Jody. Like Jameer Calvin, for as much as it seemed like a head case recruitment, he he would have been a kid who would have played, would have fit well into this system and yeah. stuff. So, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's 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 been a rough go there. All right, we are going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get into a little basketball talk ahead of the Doan exhibition. We'll pick the brain of. Brunts and BC of what you can expect with the round ballers, uh, maybe a little recruiting, and we'll see what else we come up with next on the other side. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. That was fun, wasn't it? All right. Uh, Let's just go straight to basketball. I don't have a ton recruiting-wise. Nebraska hosted uh, LaTerry Kinsler for the Indiana game. Visit went well. Uh, We'll see if they are... Uh, the the team that he ultimately ends up picking. He's an early enrollee, so he's going to try to make a decision. In November, we know Nebraska needs outside linebackers. Coaches are going to go on the road next week. That basically sums up your recruiting in 20 seconds. Where where else has he visited? He has visited Louisville, and he went to Syracuse in the summer. So looks like those are going to be the schools that he picks from. If I had to guess right now, I would probably say Syracuse, uh, but we'll see. Some of it depends on how much Nebraska kind of continues to, to recruit him and, and go after him. But Summer's probably the time you want to go to Syracuse, isn't it? I wouldn't want to go starting now until April. Okay. Unless I was going specifically to the Carrier Dome and sitting at the very top looking at the court with binoculars. Okay, that's very specific. Well, I mean, that's when they play basketball there, it looks insane. It seems like they're just little people running around. Playing zone. Yes. Basketball. Should we talk? Yeah, have at it. Do it. I'm going to pull up Brunson and just sit this segment out. Okay. BC. Hoops. Go. <laughs> Go. <laughs> well, they open with Doan. They, they, get, they got Doan in an exhibition. Exhibition. It doesn't count. What's, uh, what are you hoping to learn in this exhibition against Doan, Brian? <laughs> no, Names, I, faces? Yeah. yeah I'm, <laughs> as you know, through some of the questions I ask you, I'm still figuring out some of the basics with this team like everybody else. But uh, I think, I mean, first off, against a team like Doan, you know, no disrespect, but you want to see Nebraska go out there and blitz them pretty good. Yes. Um, it sounds like uh, the big concern from the secret scrimmage they had Saturday, not so secret, that, uh, with the stats. The one that they sent stats out <laughs> Yeah, <for. laughs> everybody gets the <laughs> information. It wasn't that hard to get the message on things, but they lost 89-75, if I'm correct, and they were behind about fit by early. Like they, Wichita State jumped them and got like a double-digit lead right off the bat, and Nebraska got killed on the boards. And that's something, obviously, that's a huge concern going into this season because of their size. But I think they gave up 18, was it 18? Uh, 17 offensive rebounds, 10 of which I believe came after halftime. Yeah. So that is a worry, and I don't think you're going to get an answer necessarily on their rebounding prowess in this game tonight. Well, I mean, you could get an answer that you don't want. Yeah. So that's something you want to watch. You don't want to see, like, Doan come in and have, like, 15 offensive boards and guys are looking like Charles Barkley against Nebraska. Some guy from a cool junction just, like, dunking on people. Um, Yeah, kind of talking a bit more to people about that that scrimmage against Wichita State. Nebraska had a chance, I think, early on to, to really take control of that game, but didn't. Uh, they were playing with different free throw rules. Uh, I think Nebraska missed four or five front ends of free throws early on um, that, that probably would have made that game look a little bit differently. I know Wichita State was okay last year. I know they, they advanced pretty far in the NIT, but 
uh, a big physical team. Yeah. Um, they're going to be a pretty good team this year, I think. So I think it was from the standpoint of learning more about your team, um, it seemed to me that kind of facing a team like that early on was maybe a good thing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm sure they learn more about their team through that experience than they will tonight yeah. or Wednesday night, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Are, are there – I mean, we, we also last week got a chance to talk to basically everybody on the roster uh, if we wanted to. Uh, what, what did you kind of take away, from, maybe a takeaway or two from those conversations? I've got a couple, but what, what, did, what stood out to you from talking to the group? Well, you realize exactly how difficult the transition task is for Fred Hoiberg when you hear a bunch of players tell you, like, yeah, the first few weeks, months we were on campus, we hardly hung out. Because these guys all came from such different backgrounds, and I don't think necessarily there was that one or two guys who necessarily took control early on and so they're kind of just sitting in their own dorm rooms doing their own things that's changed they say now you know they're going out to eat and they're kind of building a chemistry and all this stuff but that's definitely going to be something to watch especially you know how it gets in hoops there's it, it is a grind by the time you get to january or whatever and you're playing every three or four days, and guys are tired, and you're taking some L's, it's hard to stick together. And that's something, talking to those guys, where I kind of wonder about, like, as this season goes along and it gets tougher. Yeah. It, and, and just kind of talking to guys a little bit individually, um, and, and in talking to subsequent people this week, everybody says Delano Ben, he's like an NBA guy if he puts it together and keeps working. He doesn't help him this year. He can't but, play. But, I mean, the fact that you're having to face a guy like, on your scout team when you've got that kind of a player that's going against your, your top group, I, I think that's interesting. Him and Derek Walker, um, the two guys that are for sure sitting out, Shamil Stevenson, still don't know about the status of that waiver for the first semester. Um, but uh, how they kind of handle rotations will be interesting to watch tonight. I, I think there's a few guys that you can kind of count on who are for sure going to be in the starting lineup. Uh, obviously Cam Mack, I think Gervais Green has to be in there as well. Um, I would be surprised if you don't see um, Hanif Cheatham starting. I think he's going to be really key just in terms of kind of being a leader, a glue guy, moving the ball uh, with his experience and, you know, kind of how they they handle the team rebounding aspect of it because as good as uh, Ivan Wadryogo can be in the future, and, and he is a Big Ten body now, um, he, he's going to have to learn some hard lessons, I feel like. And you, you're going to need guys like Gervais Green, uh, Cam Mack, to really rebound uh, above what you normally would expect at that position. I think in the, in the scrimmage, Cam Mack actually led the team in rebounding from the point guard spot. So yeah. that tells you where they are. The four, most, the four guys I'm most interested in it are Cam Mack. He's number one. Because mm-hmm. you've just heard he's incredibly quick with the dribble. Like, People say he's as fast as about anybody they play against. And throughout the roster, it's kind of thought he's the toughest guy to guard because of his quickness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheatham, for the reasons you mentioned, I think he's got experience and some length and all that stuff. And I, I he's, in talking to him, he seems like a really mature kid who I think can kind of help balance things out for him. And then Kavas, am I saying it right? Yeah. I think... I'm interested to see if he can be that consistent guy we haven't seen around here behind the arc. He hit five threes in the exhibition game. I think he was five of eight mm-hmm. um, for 15 points. Uh, and then Gervais Green's the fourth guy just because of the 
you know, he put up pretty insane numbers at the JUCO level. This is a whole different ball game. Uh, but I think he's a kid who's really confident in his game and it just expects to score. And so they've got guys like that on the roster who are natural, natural scorers, I believe. But I do wonder about the rebounding and the defense and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be one of those situations where in November – you can get by with, with the rebounding disadvantage yep. uh, based on the teams you're playing. You start conference those two conference games in December. It's going to be a whole different uh, contest with that because I mean it's the Big Ten is going to be rough and uh, you, you just uh, it's tough to win when you're you know getting out rebounded by ten or, or whatever it is going to be at night. It's going to be fun though. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this season, you know, no no one's expecting the NCAA tournament or anything. It doesn't have that same pressure that the last couple did, where it's like, and we're talking about a guy's job also. You're staring being, into a, a box yeah. trying to see if Bill Moose is in there yeah. and what he's doing. It's nice to not have that there and just see, okay, let's just watch the basketball and see how this team develops and see encouraging signs as this thing goes along. And um, I think they'll play a fun style even if they are a 500 or less team. All right, are we back to yeah? We're back. Poke okay. and wake you up. <laughs> yes, I am here. Uh, all right. Well, let's just wrap this up. You can. Oh, is there more? Is there more, Bronze? You, no. you made a face. I'm just surprised. We're wrapping it up. We're wrapping it up. Wrap it up. The you can't follow the the exciting Doan basketball talk without, you know, really just making an ass of yourself. So, we've we've just got to to finish this. I'm I'm a train wreck right now. I think we're right. taking shots at our hoops talk. Yeah. No. They, they seem <laughs> How would I know? I wasn't paying attention. Some, some veiled, some not. That's all amazing. I know is Delano Banton's going to the NBA. Did that's, you, that's did you even like turn your hair off during that, too? Just no. To really, okay. I just sat here. Yeah. I sort of just zoned out. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The ukulele and everything. You know? <laughs> all right. Well, if you want more of this delightful banter, uh, be sure to check out the Husker Hypecast that will run on Friday to get you prepared for the Purdue game and then the third shift. We'll be your friend on Saturday. It won't even really be third shift time. We'll get it done a little bit earlier. And we also have some exciting news as well. If you are a VIP subscriber, or if you've been looking at getting a VIP membership, either way, you will now get CBS All Access, which means that you can stream over 10,000 episodes of your favorite CBS shows. You'll have the All Access Originals. You'll get live TV, which includes NFL on CBS and the SEC Game of the Week. You cord cutters out there, it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. So, if you're a member of us at Husker 24-7, you get all of that with CBS All Access now. Whether you're a member before or just now signing up, it is all right there at your fingertips. We'll be back with another podcast on Friday. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!